Frank Krueger. It's Dynamic Six Day. Oh, we've been waiting for this for a long time. I've been waiting to get rid of that hyphen preview, hyphen RC, hyphen beta, hyphen whatever. We are hyphenless, James. Today, we are .NET 6.0.0.100. I don't know where the 100 came from, but we're .100. Makes it feel good. Yeah, I don't know where the .100 comes from, but it's always .100 or whatever the, the main release is. Now, actually, we're recording on .NET Conf Day, the keynote day, day one, uh, but actually... Uh, surprisingly, yesterday, the 8th, was the launch. A surprise Monday oh. sneak attack for oh. .NET 6, by the way. You could have got all the bits yesterday because Visual Studio 2022 launched yesterday with .NET 6. Can you believe that? I, and here this whole time, I thought I had to wait for the keynote for all these things to be released. So I'd even bother looking. I, I don't know what I was doing, but I obviously wasn't paying attention to Twitter or anything. <laughs> no, I waited till today and I almost caught the beginning of the keynote it was 8 a.m i almost got the beginning and then uh just spent the day installing dotnet 6 because i was so happy to get rid of the preview i really wanted to try it out so i sat on the couch i watched uh i watched the conference on the tv and i programmed dotnet 6 stuff just to see if uh the stuff worked nice yeah yeah what did you think of the keynote it was good. It's 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 your uh, standard Microsoft. Let's show you a million things keynote. It was quite the whirlwind. But wow, they really uh, um, mentioned the hot reload a lot. That was fun because it's a pretty standout feature. It's pretty amazing. And they had the insane demo of run everything everywhere kind of demo. Mm-hmm. So that was a bit insane. Then there was the podcast app, and we have to talk about the podcast app because we got a shout out on there, and that's pretty cool. And I, I have a feeling you had something to do with it, but I might have to put you on the record for that. So I got, uh, I got handed the, 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 the privilege and the honor to, to work on the keynote uh, application and some of the demo flow uh, with uh, Nish on my team, Nish and Neil, and then. Uh, also, uh, another uh, amazing team at Plain Concepts, where they we work a lot with them on different keynote apps and and whatnot to stress test the, the stress test everything basically and build out some awesome demos. So yeah, this thing was was kind of the entire keynote. So <laughs> you know, Scott Hunter came on. He talked a little bit about minimal. He talked about you know a bunch of different things there. Uh, Maria came on, talked about minimal API, and then they kind of jumped into the podcast app and. The podcast app itself is a traditional podcast app, but it has a web app. It has a mobile and desktop client. It has backend services. Those services are microservices. Uh, it has a marketing landing page. It has <laughs> uh, a really cool functionality with SignalR, and it uses the new Azure container apps that we talked about last week. So we should probably all go listen to all of it. And now you know why I was talking about Azure container apps, because all the things were in Azure container apps and David Fowler um, demoed all that stuff too. But uh, yeah, it, the, I like the the journey uh, of, of, of the podcast app. It was one app, right? I think that was kind of cool. And it was a realistic app. Like this was something that, you know, pe- I think people would build this thing. People have built yeah. this thing, Frank. Sure. It's 
demo apps are tricky because I was almost about to make the complaint that it was too big and too realistic mm. because like demo apps should be able to like jump in and see exactly what you want to see. But the problem with that approach is you end up with 8,000 sample apps and then you're searching around for every little component. There's a real fine line, I think, in making samples. Should they be complicated or not? And this one, I think, straddles that line pretty decently. You just named a million technologies. And honestly, I only understood half of them. As much as I love the containers, I really need to go back and re-listen to our episode and re-watch David Fowler's part because I'm still, uh, we'll say I'm 70% there, 60% yeah. there. Yeah. Well, well <laughs> and, and I think here what's what's nice about this is I'm working on the team on the open sourcing of it is, is we're going to enable you to deploy uh, to just a simple app service because just a web API, you don't have to put it in a container. So you could just deploy some some things in app service and you're like, okay, cool. I deployed a, a web app, a backend, right? And I deployed a Blazor app or whatever into the backend and then boom, you're you're good to go for your backend service if you don't want to containerize it and do all this stuff. Um, but yeah, you know, sometimes you got to squeeze in new features. I, I agree. It is a, it is a fine balanced line um, <laughs> when, when there's a lot of other pieces of tech, right? Cause like, let's say you were only focusing in on, we're going to build the back end, We're going to build the front end. Like, yeah, you know, but what would happen is, and then here's all the new features and here's how you can containerize it. And here's how you can <laughs> do these things. Uh, so you can pack a lot of punch into the, the other things that you can do when, once you build these applications. Yeah. And we should say, in case uh, you haven't seen the video, this is a Blazor app, this uh, .NET 6 keynote and pretty much all the uh, <laughs> videos, not the videos, the presentations afterwards were Blazor, 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 Blazor. So this is definitely the year of Blazor. Um, that said, uh, they showed off the cool um, uh, Maui technology of turning your normally website Blazor app into a little mobile app or maybe a little desktop app embedding it into the Maui. And that was good. I uh, People have been talking about that. And it was nice to see something big <laughs> do it because it's pretty easy to put a, a web view in an app and then mm -hmm. get something running there. It, it all it all <laughs> getting all those container things to work talking to the api doing all that stuff getting something decent up and running it is good to have a big example showing that off um especially i've written probably four or five blazer apps now and i'm still not sure if i'm doing my architecture right <laughs> what i kind of love is it doesn't care <laughs> blazer's pretty forgiving on architectures you can do whatever you want and so i found my own kind of happy sweet spot and how i do everything i'm really curious to see just exactly you know the classic app architecture stuff how does the data model talk to the services how does that talk to the ui how does all that flow work it'll be fun to see um how the professionals do it too so demos are fun for that yeah, it, it, it'll be a, a fun one to for people to take a look at the code on. And, you know, the 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 cool part about the the entirety of, of this was there was a lot that you can get today. Right. So everything up until Maui is GA. So when we talk about um, when we talk about obviously minimal APIs, C Sharp 10, which you know Mads was there talking about. We talk about, you know, Azure support for .NET 6. We talk about GitHub Action support. We talk about Visual Studio support, all those all those things and Blazor and all the new things such as the new trimming technology and all this other stuff, which mm -hmm. is really 
spectacular is all in there, which is really, really cool. So there's a lot of um, really, really neat piece of technology available today. And then, of course, for us, we care quite a lot about that uh, .NET MAUI bits and pieces. And, you know, that's coming. So I think it was cool that Maddie was showing off, hey, here's the native UI. You can mix and match. And then later on, Alon in, in, in a separate session showed you can put the whole thing in there if you want. You can do what you <laughs> want, uh, which is cool. But uh, you, Frank, you you installed the bits. Uh, you were inspired, oh, yeah. correct? The bits are installed. Yeah, yeah. Um, I should say it's it's not all marketing, too. There have been some really nice sessions. There was the C-Sharp 10 session with Mads, mm. I think you mentioned. Mm -hmm. That was a fun one. I think I've already seen one or two of his presentations on it. But this was a fun one because, sorry, who was the other person? Was it Duncan? Dustin. Uh, Dustin. Dustin. Oh, I'm sorry, Dustin, if you listen. I'm so sorry for getting your name wrong. Um, uh, they're, they're a fun duet. <laughs> they, they really play well off of each other. And it was fun seeing um, them play with the code and play around with the C Sharp 10 features. So I'm like, James, I want my C Sharp 10. I want all this. <laughs> I'm uh, Deep down, I'm just a language person. I'm just in love with programming languages. So of course, I had to go get the bits. You know, the whole reason I got .NET was I fell in love with C Sharp. And I kept thinking, like, wow, it's getting really close to F sharp. But <laughs> so I'm like, I really got to get this stuff. So, yeah, I uh, downloaded it. I didn't know it was released the day before. So that's good. But when this podcast comes out, everyone should be able to go get it. I installed it on my M1 Air because let's do things on hard mode, you know? Mm -hmm. Let's yep, not yep, make yep. this easy. <laughs> I'm sure like Windows x86 works like perfect. Like, you know, yeah. not even a quite. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, no, let's do this on a Mac on an M1 hair. So I even downloaded the uh, ARM64 version, installed that it seemed to have installed it installed very quickly. Uh, I did my classic .NET info and oh my god, I have way too many .NETs installed on my <laughs> machines. Even even my poor little Air has like 8,000 .NETs on it. Anyway, the new one was there. It seemed to be running. .NET new, console. Console works great. Absolutely loved it. Um, and even though, uh, again, yes, MAUI was not a part of this release. MAUI's coming later. I still, of course, had to try MAUI. I mean, we're mobile developers. So the, I spent most of my day playing around with uh, not MAUI per se, but building iOS and Mac Catalyst stuff uh, with .NET 6. Mm. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah, so I, I had to try the C-sharp 10 stuff first because I, I want my namespace colon, not namespace <laughs> open curly. I told you. I told I you. I want it. Yeah. I know. We did a whole episode on it, and That's I want so it. Good. I haven't been able to do it in any of my code. Mm -hmm. And... um. It, it works, but like my VS code was messing up. So unfortunately, it's still it's not beta summer anymore, but mm -hmm. <laughs> bits are still warm and you got to wait for IDEs to catch up and all that stuff. Uh, so I did not get my uh, semicolon namespace. It does work at the command line, nice. <laughs> but uh, the IDE is not supporting it yet. So I was a little sad there. But... But there is so much good stuff because I absolutely had to try Mac Catalyst because during all the previews, I've been trying iOS and Mac Catalyst, but uh, one thing or another, I could not get anything working. <laughs> <laughs> the previews were a little too hot for me. They just weren't working for me. But I, I just kind of followed the instructions this time. I tried a .NET new MAUI, and it said... Uh, 
well, it made it for me, <laughs> but it's like, go get the new template because I did hear in .NET Conf preview 10 is out. So that's as of this podcast, that's the current one. Uh, so I wanted to go get that. So I deleted that directory, got the new templates. It told you how to update your templates. Uh, got those, did a .NET build. And it's like, hey, you got to go download some more stuff. I'm like, great. I love downloading stuff. <laughs> but they make it real easy. There's um, actually, no, I take that back. I think the error message could be a little bit better because I had to Google around a little bit. But basically, you have to say .NET workload install mm-hmm. uh maui or you can say a specific maui i think but i just went for the whole maui give me give me all the maui's i did that that worked um i tried to build of course android didn't build because i didn't have the right api of android because android mm-hmm. so <laughs> i <clears throat> killed got rid of the android and then everything else was actually working ios built uh mac catalyst built I tried to run iOS, but uh, I think the tooling still needs a little updating because it's like, <laughs> I don't know how to run this. And I'm like, mm. darn, darn you. You're, you're not going to give it all to me, Xamarin. So it built, but it didn't run, which is a little funny because it's not too hard to get something to run in the simulator. I feel like I could almost write a .NET tool to just <laughs> take the output of .NET 6 and toss it up on a simulator. But it's always a debate. Be patient or <laughs> build your own tools. Either way. So I went for the Mac Catalyst and James, it ran perfectly. <laughs> nice. Oh, it was gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I saw that you uh, went in and or in VS Code and modified a modified way, which is pretty cool. Yeah, you know, I think that the, the .NET workload install Maui, what that does is it actually brings in all of the dependencies too. So it brings in all the other workloads. So like if you just wanted to go in and say, hey, .NET, um, I think workload install Mac Catalyst. I think that would just bring uh, in just the Mac Catalyst. But Maui will bring in all of them. Like, <laughs> so all your iOS, Android, whatever, all the all the stuff that you need, plus the Maui workload too. And then you would be able to do .NET new Maui um, with the templates and things like that. So yeah, so there, it's it's a mix and match piece of technology since uh, you, know, you, you, you get to pick what platforms you want. Most people, I think, will just click maui and yeah just give them everything and then done right keep it simple yeah <laughs> uh, you know it's fine because like you said right the android stuff uh you know doesn't the the command line doesn't install that other stuff and when you install from visual studio it also doesn't install that stuff either so if you're on visual uh-huh. studio on windows it basically is doing the dotnet you know workload install maui and then when you open Visual Studio, be like, hey, you know, make sure you have this Xcode and hey, make sure you have this Android SDK and hey, make sure you have this other stuff as sort of a first run configuration compared to the uh, Maui check tool that John Dick had worked on for a long time, very early on, uh, which has kind of been I don't think it's deprecated at this point, but, you know, I think getting there. <laughs> it's getting there, especially once the IDEs and things like that come out. But I do think it'll be it, I think it'll still be required it'd be good if the team has that only because think about it. Um, you know, what if you don't want to use visual studio or visual studio for Mac, yeah. right. And you do want to use VS code and stuff like that. At some point you would want to figure out how to, you know, get your machine configured in the right way. Um, you know, flutter has something a flutter doctor basically. And that's a command line tool that verifies that all of the things are installed correctly on your machine. So very similar in a, in a way, probably inspired by. So that would oh. be, that would be nice. But I would think that would be really cool if it was like, you know, .NET Maui check or whatever. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it was built into the .NET 
CLI that you install, that would be cool. Yeah, um, for sure. But I almost feel like the error messages just need to be improved. Yeah. Like they are so close. <laughs> the problem is that they're just restraining themselves to like one sentence. So they're mm-hmm. trying to be terse and convey information. Just turn that into a couple paragraphs with some Google links or something, you know, explain to me exactly what's missing. Where did you look? What is the 80% probable solution that I need to go do to go do that? Um, I almost feel like that's easier. I'd rather just have some handholding. But if there's a precedent for a, a tool like that, I'm okay with a tool too, honestly. Yeah. It's, I had no problem running Maui Check. I just heard also that it all should work without Maui Check right now. And uh, it does. So I proved that out. I was totally willing to go back to Maui Check if none of this worked. And honestly, to get that Android stuff working, I probably will use Maui Check <laughs> just because I have no idea where Android's installed. I don't know where .NET's looking for Android. I don't know any of that stuff. There's probably a blog post out there about it somewhere. Yeah. But and, yeah. And when Visual Studio for Mac 2022 comes out, yeah. it'll, it'll figure it all out for you. You don't have to worry about it, Frank. And, and, and the preview's out. I think they dropped a preview of it as well somewhere. There is a new version. I have to go check it out. I checked out a version from maybe a couple months ago. It's coming along. It didn't yeah. let me change my colors, though. I need to be able to mm. change my colors before I can use it. <laughs> I'm just barely just kidding there. Um, but I, I can report that at least on my current version of Visual Studio 2019, it did not like opening my .NET 6 project. It oh, was yes. not happy about it. <laughs> no, no, no. It is, it is not about that life. Uh, it's all about that 20. I've been living the 2020, the 2022 on windows. Like, again, I also have it on a Mac and then I've used it a bit here and there, just kind of dog fooding it. Um, uh, but the windows version I've been super ecstatic about, obviously it's 64 bit, it's loads, everything super quick. There's a lot more customization. The theming is fully themable, uh, and customizable. In fact, uh, Mads Christensen did a demo and I'll put in the show notes if I remember, uh, or you can just go to his, to the visual studio YouTube, which is how to turn any VS code theme into a visual studio for windows theme basically because it's fully themed and customizable and in in fact now there's like a theme category in the marketplace which is really really cool but if you had your own crazy funky theme (laughs) you could just export it and kind of you know there's a little wizard to create your own theme which is cool so i'm going to do this demo um i'm I'm, wherever we're at speaking of vs live i'm going to do this demo where i take the default red theme of visual studio code which i'm so or sorry visual studio code yeah uh, that I'm so glad exists. And it's now like my default because I've been doing this demo. It's just like, and I opened it on some teams call and people are like, what is going on? I was like, oh, this is my default red theme. Um, <laughs> and then I'm going to turn that into a visual studio theme. And it like works pretty awesome, actually, which is cool. So that, that's I feel like I always miss out a little bit on these events because I don't use Visual Studio every day. And I love Visual Studio. It was one of my first IDEs. I still love it. I just don't use it. <laughs> so I don't get all the same pleasures everyone else gets. So I don't I don't want to um, uh, I don't want to leave it not talked about, James. So do you have any like top UI features that just can make me really sad that you've been playing with that you kind of love. I'm just curious. Like I'm honestly just asking you off the cuff. Oh yeah. Me. I mean, <laughs> well, one, I've been using a lot on windows 11. I'm absolutely fantastically loving it. Um, I would say, you know, one of my favorite things that I've been really enjoying and Mika did a session 
uh, at .NET Conf as well, all about productivity features in the IDE. And just things like the editor config um, has now an analyzers tab and .NET 6 includes all these analyzers, which just puts all this stuff automatically in there. One of my new favorite features that they did is they call it a uh, navig. It's like, it's kind of like, I think it's a hierarchical navigation um, or inheritance navigation. That's what it is. Inheritance navigation. So think of it like this. Imagine you have a bunch of classes and a bunch of things are inherited and some things implement an interface. You know, how are you going to mm-hmm. figure out where that stuff is now in the gutter on the left-hand side, there's this little, um, icon that will show you anything uh, that inherits from that or Uh any of the things that this thing implements. And you can like navigate to the code really easily. It's super cool. Uh, Ooh, ooh. My other one, Kendra showed this off in her session, which is, um, testing. So just running tests. Oh, wait. Okay. I let me do this one because I was a little jelly here. Uh, so we, we did a whole episode where I was talking about how, um, the hot reload technology works. It's really interesting. I'm totally in love with it. Mm -hmm. You know, in all of that discussion, it never even occurred to me. And this shows you what kind of programmer I am. It never even occurred to me to apply it to testing (laughs) and like just how revelatory that's going to be for testing and coming up with new test case and playing around and really shortening up that dev cycle. The test dev cycle is already pretty short, but making it, you know, <laughs> if you can do like small changes that have big impact on tests and uh, and it could do it all very quickly. Oh, it's very exciting. So I have no idea what you were going to talk about, but that feature looked amazing to me. Well, that one was really cool. He has hot reload for testing, which I think is, which is really neat. Uh, the other one that she showed off was remote testing, which enables you to run your tests in one of four ways. One, which we've always done, which is run on my local machine. That makes sense, right? Like I'm running it. But what if, Frank, you need to, I don't know, have a test and do some tests for like Linux? <laughs> well, you can spin up a Docker container and you can say, hey, run my tests inside this Docker container. Oh, so it's like dev containers, but test containers. Yeah. They call them test containers. <laughs> test containers. Yeah. Yep. And, and you, you make these test container, conf- or you take make test environments and one of uh, them is a test container. Yep. Right. Um, but the- I'd like it, it. It makes sense because I, I would have just used the dev one for that, but that's not even realistic. You want something actually closer to production than dev for yes. running your tests. So that makes sense. Yeah. Now, the other one is you can just say, hey, run this in WSL. <laughs> but OK, sure. So that's containerless, but you want to run it in Linux. OK. Yes. Now, here's the last one. Run it via a remote machine via SSH. <laughs> oh boy. Don't you don't you just love networking over SSH? That's great though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, I I because I have my uh I have my Linux neural network computer and I'm actually unfortunately SSHing into it all the time and I actually really appreciate apps that can uh control a remote machine. So that's actually kind of nice. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. She showed a demo where she's on a Windows 11 machine and then she went to ssh and it's a vm inside of azure that's windows 10 that she's testing the the code on which is just like mind-boggling boggling awesome you get lost in those demos you're like what's connected to the who and the what's it (laughs) but yeah (laughs) it's neat it's neat so 
There's all that okay. stuff. I mean, of course, there's all the hot reload stuff that we talked about. What about the Chrome? Are the icons different? Icons are all different. Themes are all different. Uh, the Git integration, you know, even better than it was in mm-hmm. 2019. Uh, they have all sorts of good stuff there. I do like one thing uh, in it as well, which is better integration with GitHub Actions. And what I mean by that is if I just like click on my action YAML file, it will open like a preview and allow me to tweak settings on it, like in a designer mode. Um, but it also will, since it knows the Git repository <laughs> that it's connected to, it will show me the build status and the last successful things from oh. GitHub, which is really cool. So I can be like, oh, like, oh, yesterday I deployed this to wherever, or it was built, or there's, you know, whatever I'm on, whatever branch I'm on, and get like real time information back inside of Visual Studio. So I thought that was really neat. Yeah. Okay. That one got me. You know, I, I love editor improvements. I don't know if I need more analyzers to be thoroughly honest, but having the actions right in the IDE, I mean, it's an integrated development environment. I feel terrible every time I have to go to the web to do more work. So I, I love having uh, that in there. That's pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. That, and there's, that, all, there's all okay. sorts of tweaks and tunes. <laughs> oh, one thing I really like, um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll progress on because i mean because you know there was like a there was a huge week like visual studio 22 and also dotnet 6 and all this other stuff yeah but there's this one thing which is uh you know the tabs like when you open a code file it's like a tab i'm gonna call it a tab code tab right what like in a editor yeah like when you open visual studio and you click on a file you Mm -hmm. open another file and another file and another file yeah they're tabs on the top in visual studio right yep sure sounds good you can now colorize them uh-huh. uh, and you can give them max max widths as well, which is cool. <laughs> but you can colorize them based on the project they're in or based on the file extension they are. Oh, see, I don't want that. I just want to do like, um, oh, I keep saying Outlook. I don't mean Outlook. What's the notes app from, what's the Office notes app everyone loves? To do. One note. One note. I just I want all my code to look like OneNote. I want colored fo- folders everywhere. Ah, oh, I'm jealous. Why don't all IDEs do this? I would totally color code things. Mm-hmm. It would be wacko, but it would give me like something to do while I was thinking about a different problem. So can I just pick a color for a file or does it have to be like some kind of rule? Uh, that's a good question. I I think you, when you go in, you just say colorize and I think you can override the color somewhere. Okay. I'm not positive. I, I, I kind of love the idea of picking colors for all my files. <laughs> yeah. Because they get totally lost up there. Oh, I'm going to add that feature to continuous. That'll be the weirdest feature to have. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So I was um I was having fun. I got the, the Maui working and it had the click counter demo, <laughs> the demo that will exist forever. There's a button that says click me. You click, click it me. and the counter yes. goes up. Yes, <laughs> I was very happy to get that working uh, under the Mac Catalyst, but I had to try something, James, and you know me. I just had to try because because I installed this giant workload. I had no idea what was actually on my machine or anything, so I wanted to know just, and I'm, I was pretty sure you could do it. Like, can you just build a native UI without going through Maui? Can I build a UI kit app or something like that? So I was curious. Um, there aren't too many 
templates for that or I wasn't able to find the right template or anything. So I ended up but just butchering, just butchering <laughs> the poor Maui project, <laughs> just, you know, deleting things, moving things around and all that. And I was really impressed. I was able to get it down to a, you know, tiny little app delegate, you know, classic little iOS app and everything built and ran just fine under .NET 6. It's so weird. It's so weird that these worlds have combined that I can just build native UIs for that. I'm sure you you knew all this stuff, but it, it was great for me to get confirmed that even though there's Maui out there, you can still write a native UI if you're a weirdo like me. <laughs> no, it's very true. You can definitely you can definitely <laughs> do that, which is which is correct. Yeah. Yep. Well. Yep, yep, yep. The, the, the reason I did that was for a practical reason, too. I wanted to know if I could port my apps over to Mac Catalyst, because remember, that's been a goal of mine for years at this point. Um, I don't, as much as I love AppKit, <laughs> uh, I think I'm pretty happy just writing everything in UIKit and being able to run it on both platforms. And so I wanted to actually try porting one of my apps over to uh, .NET 6 and Mac Catalyst. And I was nervous. Like At first, I was going to do iCircuit, but I was like, you know, I already have a Mac version of iCircuit. So it was, <laughs> which app do I have that I don't actually mm-hmm. have a Mac version of right now? So I came down to Continuous, which I absolutely want to. That's the one I actually want to get running on Mac, but I was afraid. I was scared, James, because con- yeah. Continuous is huge. <laughs> I would be scared. Yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> so I decided to uh, convert MoCast. Mm, over. A, po- a podcast app, another podcast po- app. I know. It was really on theme. I, I felt like today was the podcast day. So how cool is that? Did we mention that they mentioned us in the in the demo? They did. We, our logo was on there. I was hoping that someone would pick one of our podcasts and start playing it, <sighs> but that did not happen. So. So, darn it yeah could have picked one of the programming language ones yeah <laughs> one of the machine learning ones well uh so i want to say the conversion went pretty good wow <laughs> i ran it yeah so uh i wasn't sure what the right approach to go was so i decided i just took that really hacked up maui app <laughs> it really did not look anything like the original template but it, it gave me a starting point you know uh, so I took that hacked up one, kind of just copied it over to the MoCast directory and did that crazy thing you can do in CS Proj files where you say compile, include, mm. uh, dot, you know, I had to go back a directory dot dot slash MoCast slash star star slash star dot CS, which means just include all the code. Good luck to you. Just include everything. And that just brought in all the code for the iOS project, and there were 8 billion errors, but I worked through them each one by one. They actually weren't that bad. It was mostly, you know, missing a nougat here, missing a nougat there. Hmm. I did find out that poor old system.json. May you not live forever. It seems pretty gone. And I don't know why, James. I don't know. I must have been in a weird mood. I decided to use system.json to do the tiny bit of JSON parsing. I have. I don't know why. I don't know why you would do that. A weirdo, because I'm an old timer, and I don't know. I really don't. So that thing's gone. (laughs) So I had to uh, rewrite that using system.txt.json, but of course that code was way better in the Mm -hmm. end. I don't. I really don't know why I was using (laughs) system.json because it was there. Because it was there. Yeah, that's why. That's Mm -hmm. why. I hate dependencies. <laughs> and now it's system.txt.json, so that's good. Uh, got that in. Uh, there were there, There's a few little weird networking things going on, but 
the app just popped up. It was there. (laughs) (laughs) And I was so happy. So, so happy. Um, I, you know, it's not the first time I've seen it run under Mac Catalyst. I actually got that working with my somewhat hacky version back in the day. Mm. Um, but I would say this was running better than my version ever did. And I haven't fully investigated it as in, you know, Maui's still not released. None of this stuff's official. I don't know if we can actually put it up on the App Store, but gosh, James, it seems awfully close to being able to put it up on the App Store. So I I need to look into it some more, but I am very pleased with the progress I just made there. Yeah, I feel like I'm looking at your little video on your Twitter. You just check out Frank's Twitter and you can find it. But yeah, no, I, I feel as though it it looks pretty good. You might want to invest in a collection view instead of a, a, a UI table <laughs> view for your podcast. But besides that... It yeah. does look pretty solid. And no, actually, you know, at the keynote, um, Scott Hunter talked about, I think it's Pronto Pay, I want to say. They're using .MLA Blazor in production today for oh. their app. Yeah, I mean, there's not a go-live license, if you will, on on it, mm-hmm. but you know, nothing's going to stop you from, if it, <laughs> if it compiles, whatever, it works, <laughs> works, you know. And I think that you're right. I've only on Mac Catalyst, we've seen, just like WinUI 3 and Windows, like there's some quirks, even from moving from you know UWP, there are some quirks on Mac Catalyst. Like for example, I think the code compiles to check cellular network in the essentials library, but mm-hmm. if you try to call it, it crashes. Right. <laughs> because it's like, oh, this doesn't exist on Mac Catalyst. And you're like, oh, come on now, Apple. So you have to comment that, which makes sense because MacBooks don't have cellular chips, it's, but eventually they will. So that will light up, I have to assume. Uh, you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, so it's cool yeah. that you just got it working though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to rag on it cause it's, it's super impressive, but the, it's funny cause I, I actually got a weird, um, networking bug is the one that I ran into as using HTTP client mm. and there's a flag on it, something like, uh, use automatic decompression, whatever it's, it's the flag saying, please send me compressed data web server. Mm. And for some reason, when you turn that on, it crashes with the most gnarly exception you've ever seen. So it's funny, uh, tiny little edge cases like that. But it's sad because I haven't been posting too many bugs against .NET 6 because, uh, honestly, the previews were a little rough. I wasn't able to do very good testing of it. But now that I have a working app and everything, it's really easy for me to come up with a simple test case for them. Look, call this API with this flag, bing, bang, boom we can file our bugs. So I'm really excited. This is this is a couple years <laughs> coming to me that I've been waiting for this moment. So I, I'm just a little bit giddy. Uh, debugging is absolutely horrendous. <laughs> that doesn't work at all. You have to do printf debugging. And even that's a little bit tricky because like mm-hmm. Mac apps hide all that stuff. Uh, so it's definitely not a, a smooth experience right now. So I highly look forward to VS22 and the official releases and all that but that said, that this is pretty great for them not promising the feature, but it's still working pretty darn good. What about a uh, .NET Watch Run? Did you hot reload that puppy? Oh, I hot reload everything. But unfortunately for the um, Mac app, it did not seem to work. I think it's a little bit funny because uh, .NET Watch prefers when you run things through the .NET tool, but the way... Um, and I don't even know the details around it, but it seems the way the Mac Catalyst app gets packaged up that it's not able to do its normal injection mm. tricks. Mm. But you 
you know for sure I'm going to be filing that bug and being like, hey, hey, you know, <laughs> we need some hot reload over here in the in the Mac Catalyst world. And who knows, maybe it's just my machine too. Maybe that does actually work. Well, I'll have to see because I know that Maddie during the keynote showed the Mac Catalyst podcast app and did hot reload. I'm pretty uh, sure. Uh oh. Sure okay. Might have might be my machine. Might be user error. But, everyone. <laughs> but she did it from she did it from Visual Studio 2022 for Mac Preview. So who I don't know. Maybe there's something funky going on there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I, I was trying mine from the command line. Mm. So I will definitely have to install the new preview of 2022. Yeah, looking forward to it. Boom. Ah, a lot of good stuff. I'm really excited. I mean, there's you know there's still more days of st- stuff to come at .NET Conf. I've been <laughs> focusing on you know, by talks and but watching. I've been wa- I've watched a lot this this one because I'm giving so many talks. I'm like I need to get caught up. And now I'm a manager, so I don't get to I don't get to code <laughs> um, very Sanderson, often. Sanderson Sanderson has a low level AOT one coming up uh so i'm looking forward to that and by the time everyone's listening to this podcast it's probably been released to youtube or something yeah. so go find his low level aot discussion because uh i'm sorry i keep saying aot but what i really mean to say is WebAssembly. i'm just really interested in packaging up .NET apps to be really tiny i mean these days we've gotten .NET apps down to like four megabytes i think it's fine honestly i think it's fine but i love seeing them in their endless pursuit of how tiny can we make these apps <laughs> Oh yeah, did you see um uh what's his name? Dan Roth during the keynote, he showed the new trimming of WebAssembly with the WebAssembly yeah. build tools and the WASM load went down to 300 kilobytes or something like that. Something crazy. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. He gave a shout out to this uh talk that I'm looking forward to the next day. So that seemed really impressive. I've been in the WASM space for a few years now and I mean, we started out at like 13 meg, got down to 8 meg, and then at some point it got down to 5 meg, and we're like, it's fine, it's fine, 5 is enough. And But nope, they kept going. <laughs> it's fun. You always want smaller, faster, and more productive with all the brand new features. I think it's really cool. There's all sorts of good stuff, and you know, we can only really cover the top of it, but basically it's like the fastest release of uh, .NET 6 and the best release ever. I mean, they're always the best release, but this one's... So I feel solid. I also, you know, I I didn't I didn't have a lot of apps that ran .NET five because you know Xamarin and Xamarin Forms you know never made that migration. But what a lot of people have been saying is that it's been really easy for them to sort of progress their application. So if you had like an ASP.NET app or a Blazor app, you could easily sort of move it, which is kind of cool. Yeah, uh, I should say my .NET three apps are upgrading to .NET six just fine. Ooh. So I've I've not had any issues there. Oh, there's always some kind of like ASP.NET startup thing that they changed. But yeah, if, if you ignore that, <laughs> they, they can't help themselves. So if you ignore that, uh, they've all gone over pretty smooth. I, I think I made this joke the last time, like the console app and web app part of .NET has been so solid lately. Like, I feel bad that we don't even talk about it because it's just a given there that running in that mode, just running console apps, just running huge web servers, just, just, just in scare tags, that stuff is running so well. And uh, yeah, especially with that hot reload magic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's super awesome. Oh, my goodness. Frank, Frank, we'll Frank, be talking Frank, about Frank. this forever because I'm just going to be doing more terrible experiments <laughs> with .NET 6. So <laughs> we'll be talking about it forever, especially as uh, Maui approaches release. That's the one we can look forward to forever. The endless beta summer continues for Maui. Yes, I agree with that 100%. 
Oh my goodness. A whole bunch of guests. I mean, like we're 40 minutes in, but I think that, um, just go watch this stuff. Basically. That's my big takeaway for people. There are a lot of videos too. So I was doing the live stream all day and then I looked at my YouTube and I noticed there were like 800 videos posted. And I'm like, James, what are these? And you explained it to me. There's a bunch of, I don't want to call them side topics, but videos, side topic videos of things that um, if you were only watching the live stream, you would have missed because I missed them. <laughs> and I look forward to going back and uh, watching a million little videos. Yeah, it's, it is a really cool thing. Uh, Jamie uh, on the team worked on that. Uh, we were talking about some of our favorite things of other conferences of of like, you know, sometimes there's these nice little bits and pieces that get shoved into a session, you know, or they get, you know, they don't have time to make it into a keynote or sometimes they get cut from a session in general. And there's a lot of so many teams working on projects. Maybe not every team can even get a session, right? There's only so many hours in a day. So Jamie worked with all the the amazing PMs and engineers and, and they whipped up like 20 some odd videos, uh, which was cool. And the same thing for Visual Studio 22. If you go to the Visual Studio YouTube, there's like, you know, 20 some odd videos and they're all, you know, three to eight minutes, basically. So you can binge these things and learn all sorts of really cool stuff. In fact, I'm about to go watch one from Dan because he he demoed this um, at the keynote and I have no idea how he did it, but he has one. It's called. Um, Blazor WebAssembly runtime relinking, the one that you're talking about. And in two minutes, he shows this off basically. Um, and I don't know, that's just, I feel like I could just go back over and over and over again and, and probably watch that. Yeah, I and I like your idea of the binge because I feel like I'm just going to put them on loop and just, just start them out and <laughs> let, let them like break into my brain as I continue to see the extents of what .NET 6 can do. It's fun. I... Good, good YouTube binge. This one, this one's worthwhile. I, I won't feel too bad, or you know, won't have too much of a hangover the next day from it. <laughs> nice. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's going to do it probably for this podcast, Frank. I think it's probably what's going to happen is um, something we're going to call like it a day. We, we didn't give enough shout-outs to Hanselman, so Hanselman mm. did a great job being ringleader, and him and Jamie up there were really fun. So I, I, I just want to make sure I give a shout-out to all the hosts because these conferences are a pain in the butt, and I appreciate them <laughs> all going through the effort and doing this so that we can have our fun little release parties and all that. So oh, thanks, yeah. everyone at Microsoft's. Yeah, it's cool to see all of our friends up there. So, yeah, it's nice. It's nice. Well, go check it out. I'll put links. You can go to .netconf.net to check out all the good stuff there. But I think it's going to do it for this week's Merge Conflict, Frank. So until next time, I'm James Bonsmagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.